Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Fernando, alcoholic, your secretary. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change those things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. AA is a fellowship of men and women who stood the trial of testing through alcohol and had victory. Now we're teaching others how to abstain from alcohol. Life, a life free of alcohol. Really, a life of problems, bills, shame, disgrace, uh, killing myself softly, killing myself hardly, fast, on the road to destruction. A type of suicide, Drinking, who cares? Alcohol poisoning. What Alcoholic Anonymous, the program has done for me, has insert uh, care, the God-given principle, care, and how to have power with that care. Care for self, care for others. Awareness, sobriety, reality, truth. Anyway, you know the spill. Today I'm going to be reading a story from the grapevine and daily reflections and uh, sponsor King Solomon's for the day. So hang tough with me, please. This story is sent to us by Lee Y. from San Antonio, Texas. And it's on the uh, grapevine, August 2019. And it says, a pillow, a blanket, and hot soup. Can you, can you just keep my things for a few days? I asked the people at the Silver House. I don't have a place to go right now, so if you can do me that favor, I'll be back in about three days to get my belongings. I'm going to go think of what to do next. I needed to clear my mind and think. I told myself, right I was still high and hungover from the night before, which had really been just a few hours earlier. Now it was a little below six in the morning, and I had just returned to the sober house after another relapse. I had nowhere to go. I didn't know what to do. I was confused and baffled, just like it says in the big book. My thoughts were to go to sleep off my hangover under the bridge down the street. Though I had never done this before, I heard in AA meetings many stories of people sleeping under bridges. So here's was one of those yes and that, that I now become eligible for. How bad could it be? Well, <clears throat> as bad as any cold, mild December day in my hometown of Cleveland, Ohio, also known as the birthplace of AA meeting number three. Fortunately, I was interrupted on my way to the bridge. A car pulled over, and the lady driving called my name three times. I tried to ignore her. She was from one of those AA meetings I attended between relapses. Lee, I know that's you, she screamed. Where are you going? And when I told her, she said angrily, Get over here. Get in. Never telling me where she was going, she began to talk about the miracles of AA and God in her life. 
which had brought her five years of sobriety. Soon we got to her house. She put me on her sofa with a pillow, a blanket, and a comforter. She brought me hot soup, and as I ate, all I could hear her say was how God brought her to AA, got her sober, and had put her on the road at that time of the morning, headed in in a direction she never traveled in without her glasses, just so she could keep me from dying of another untreated alcoholism. This woman was heading home after dropping her boyfriend off at work. She told me her boyfriend would go ballistic if he knew that she, a white Polish-American woman, had invited a black man back to her home, and yet, despite all that, she had stopped to lend a hand to me, a virtual stranger who she knew only from AA meetings. She gave me hope. She gave me hope. Truly, we are people who normally would not mix. When I heard the words, I am responsible when anyone anywhere reaches for help, I want the hand of AA always to be there. And for that, I am responsible. I always remember that what that white Polish-American woman who lived in a neighborhood clear on the other side of town did for me. I didn't get or stay sober after that, even though she contacted AA friends, got me into a place to stay and then into treatment. But I am sober today, more than two years now. I do hospitals and institution service, including going to a local prison once a month. I also work the AA helpline for the San Antonio area, and I'll pick up anyone who calls and needs someone to take them to detox, a meeting, or to just give them a ride home. Why? Because someone did that for me. Wow. Lee from San Antonio, Texas. Thank you very much, Lee. Awesome, awesome story. Amen, amen, amen. See if we can find another short one. Uno mas, uno mas. All right, let's go ahead and go into the vigilance. Uh, September 24, Daily Reflections. We have seen the truth demonstrated again and again. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Commencing to drink after a period of sobriety, we are in a short time as bad as ever. If we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind, nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. Alcoholic Anonymous, page 33. Today I am an alcoholic. Tomorrow will be no different. My alcoholism lives within me now and forever. I must never forget what I am. Alcohol will surely kill me if I fail to recognize and acknowledge my disease on a daily basis. I am not playing a game in which a loss is a temporary setback. I am dealing with my disease for which there is no cure, only daily acceptance and vigilance. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. Amen. Understanding what the disease is is so imperative to our recovery. Understanding what the problem is. God has made us easy does it. And when things are not easy does it and we're stressing, that's called a disease. We're off the mark, as simple as that. And when it goes into our bodies, into our cells, and our cells are not functioning properly, and they become disease because of the amount of alcohol poured into the body. 
the liver and so forth, it just makes chaos and starts to shrink everything and eat everything up. And then it touches the soul and the spirit of mind and becomes a, an incredible thirst of can't stop drinking. I've been there, done that, drink everything in the house, destroy everything on the living room floor, on the walls. You know what cured me from uh, punching walls? Like everything that cured you. A two-by-four. Two-by-four in the wall. And you know what cured me? And, and I saw the, the hand of God trying to keep me in AA in the beginning. A two-by-four. I felt like God was slamming me with a two-by-four. Get back in the meetings because of devastation, ugliness. And, you know, I just ran back to AA. This was a haven, a safe place. I didn't want any more of what I was giving myself, not what the world was giving, but what I was giving myself. And I'm thankful for the God that he, they call him the hound of heaven. He just pursues you and, and continues isn't that a wonderful thing? Continues to, to corner you and corner you and corner you and corner you until you say, Uncle, okay, I surrender. And I realized that it was an answer to my prayer. God, do what you have to do with this guy. I can't seem to control him. Take him and make him what you would have him to do. Third step prayer. Amen. Let's get excited about this thing, you know. Life is expecting a miracle, expectant. You know, one of their prayers that I, I like lately, I've been doing, is called, is the, uh, this prayer, say, the supply for it is not here yet, but it will come if we should have it. It will surely come. Now that produces hope. That produces faith. That produces uh lock and load into the future. I'm proclamation, declaring, and it gives me energy, it gives me wisdom, it gives me um, joy and laughter. An incredible little saying. It is so innocent, the little saying. You don't think it would work. But the, the key is in the it, which I believe it is God. And, and we, is we and we and our, and our God. Our higher power, we. We want you to get better. We want you restored so you can tell others how you've been restored. Simple as that. That's God's will for us. It's all over the big book, all over the Bible, all over nature. Repair and restore and move ahead. Repair and reload and go at it again. Amen. All right, we're going to be... Now we're going to go to King Solomon, and he's given us his scriptures for today, his advice. Okay, we're reading from the Amplified Bible, and it says, Do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. For their minds plot violence, and their lips talk of trouble for the innocent. Through skillful and godly wisdom, a house, a life, a home, a family is built. And by understanding, it is established on a sound and good foundation. 
and by knowledge its rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong, and a man of knowledge strengthens his power. For by wise guidance you can wage your war. And in an abundance of wise counselors, AA, there is victory and safety. 12-step program, Elna. Wisdom is too exalted for a hardened, arrogant fool. He does not open his mouth in the gate where the city's rulers sit in judgment or where the meeting is, is in process. He who plans to do evil will be called a schemer or deceiver of evil. The division, the devising of folly is sin, and the scoffer is repulsive to men. If you are slack, careless in a day of distress, your strength is limited. Again, if you are careless in the day of distress, your strength is limited. If you are slack in the day of distress, your strength is limited. 11. Rescue those who are being taken away to death and those who stagger to the slaughter. All hold them back from their doom. AA, 12-step program. If you claim ignorance and say, see, we didn't know this. Does he not consider it who weighs and examines the hearts and their motives? And does he not know it who guards your life and keeps your soul? He will not repay you, every man, according to his works. My son, eat honey because it is good, and the dripping of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that skillful and godly wisdom is so very good for your life and soul. If you find wisdom, then there will be a future and a reward. And your hope and expectation will not be cut off. Do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not destroy his resting place. For a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. But the wicked stumble in times of disaster and collapse. Do not rejoice and gloat when your enemy falls. And do not let your heart be glad in self-righteousness when he stumbles. Or the Lord will see your gloating and be displeased and turn his anger away from your enemy. Do not get upset because of evildoers or be envious of the wicked. For there will be no future for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. My son, fear the Lord and the king and do not associate with those who are given to change to alliance and are revolutionary. For their tragedy will rise suddenly, and who knows the punishment that both the Lord and the King will bring on the rebellious, the Lord and the government. These are also sayings of the wise. To show partiality in judgment is not good. He who says to the wicked, you are righteous, people will curse him, nations will denounce him. But those honorable judges who rebuke the wicked, it will go well with them and they will find delight and a good blessing will come upon them. He kisses the lips and wins the hearts of people who gives a right and straightforward answer. He kisses the lips and wins the heart of people who gives a right and straightforward answer. Prepare your work outside and get it ready for yourself in the field. Afterwards, build your house and establish a home. 
Do not be a witness against your neighbors without cause, and do not deceive with your lips. Speak neither lies nor half-truth. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for his deed. I went by the field of the lazy man, and by the vineyard of the man lacking understanding and common sense. And behold, it was all grown with thorns, and nettles with covering its surface, and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw, I considered it well. I looked and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hand to rest and daydream. Then your poverty will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. The Amplified Bible is by the Lockman Foundation, La Habra, California. Get your copy, Lockman. Dot org. I have mine. I got this version through you version for public use. May God bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lift up his gowns and give you peace. Establish you in every which way. Let's go ahead and finish our session today with the third step prayer, please. God, I offer myself to you to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those that would help of thy power, of thy love, of thy way of life. May I do thy will, always. Amen. Thank you for coming to today's podcast. I'm Fernando. I am an alcoholic and your coordinator. All right, let's go ahead and open it up with the moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Today we're going to be starting off with... um, a reading from the 24-hour little book. It says, Step 4, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step 5 is, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Step 6, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step 7, humbly ask Him to remove our shortcomings. Step 10 is, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitting it. In taking a personal inventory, we have to be absolutely honest with ourselves and with other people. Amen. You know, the beauty of going to Al-Anon and working the work, you know, Alcoholic Anonymous, I haven't seen an official workbook. And I almost switched, for them, alcoholic, I almost switched groups starting because of NA's uh, workbook looked really good. Narcotics Anonymous workbook was amazing. And, uh, and lo and behold, my sponsor was going to Al-Anon, so I wanted to hang around him. He had a brand new Mercedes, $150,000 Mercedes, you know. And he started coming over, picking me up, and on Wednesdays, he would go to a, a mysterious writing meeting, a writing meeting. So I hooked, and I heard the other guys going to it, so I started going to it. And before you know it, I'm the literature person, I'm the secretary, I got a key. And that's been going on for about three, four years now. And we started meetings, Al-Anon meetings, at the park. I run two meetings. I'm the treasurer. I'm the book carrier. I'm the 
water carrier. I'm, uh, I'm the uh, safety official from the crazies. A lot of ladies come out you know, crying for their kids, crying their husbands, you know, problems. But the beauty of it is that we have a writing meeting, that 20 minutes of silence, and it's through the workbook. It's called the uh, Path to Recovery Workbook. I highly recommend you guys stop knocking something you don't understand. A lot of us in AA, uh, we call it the, the halfway measures group. You know, so a lot of them trans, trans, transfer over. They start coming to Alcoholic Anonymous. They hang up their, their drinking cups and they pour coffee instead of things. But, hey, it's a great way to uh, fish for new people. You don't even have to, the, the material itself We'll get them up against the wall and say, be honest, just and let's write these things down and take 20 minutes and we're all going to talk about what our honesty is. Of course, of course, of course, it's voluntarily and suggestion. But man, it seems like you're being jumped in school again. You're up against the wall and you've got to come out fighting and punching. Honesty is only for grown-ups and for people who want more. If the if the program is not working for you, it's because we're we're not going deep enough in honesty and questions. So uh, before you knock it, try it. I do it because I'm making a living a man of being such, you know, the girlfriends to the school and being such a uh, ugly person to the to the gals and the dates and so forth. That's why I do. I do it as, as a and because I want the information then to better myself. And folks, all of us are growing leaps and bounds with the with these books. They're awesome. So just add it to your program. Okay, continuing with the twenty-four hour a day. It says meditation for the day. These things have I spoken unto you that your joy may be full. Even a partial realization of the spiritual life brings much joy. You feel at home in the world when you are in touch with the divine spirit of the universe. Spiritual experience brings a definite satisfaction. Search for the real meaning of life by following spiritual laws. God wants you to have spiritual success and he intends that you have it if you live your life as much as possible according to spiritual laws. You can expect your share of joy and peace, satisfaction, and success. You can expect your share of joy and peace, satisfaction, and success. You can expect something. I pray that I will find happiness in doing the right thing. I pray that I will find satisfaction in obeying spiritual laws. You know, when I work for somebody, I expect for them to to pay me. When you give a compliment to someone or a gift, you expect a thank you. So I don't agree with those guys that say, when you give something, don't expect nothing back. You know, blah, 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 blah. You know, they're just suggestions. Remember, all of us have suggestions. Whatever feels good in the smorgasbord, that's what you eat. All right, now, moving right ahead, let's go ahead and read today's daily reflections for the 20th of September. Higher power, God as our guide. God as our guide. Really interesting title. This comes to us from Alcoholic Anonymous, page 164. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. 
This is the great fact for us all. Alcoholic Nouns, page 164. Let's see to it, guys, that our relationship with our higher power is correct. And great events will come to pass for us and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Alcoholic Anonymous, page 164. You know that uh, the program, all I needed was honesty and said, I don't know how to do this. And boom, my relationship with God was great. Yeah. Bill W. writes, God doesn't make things too, hard, too difficult for us. You know, it's easy, does it? A willingness to say, hey, I don't know how to do this. Boom, you're in. I don't have any honesty. Boom, you're in. I thank you, God, for my nonsense, for me missing it. Boom, you're in. See how easy it is to open the door? Okay, the article for Daily Reflections continues to say, Having a right relationship with God seemed to be an impossible order. My chaotic past had left me filled with guilt and remorse, and, and I wondered how this God business could work. AA told me that I must turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand Him. With nowhere else to turn, I went down on my knees and cried, God, I can't do this. Please help me. It was when I admitted my powerlessness that a glimmer of light began to touch my soul, and then a willingness emerged to let God control my life. With him as my guide, great events began to happen, and I found the beginning of sobriety. Beautiful, beautiful words of life. Amen. All right, we're going to hook up with uh, today's grapevine. We're going to be reading Spiritual Awakening, a story, a, a long story sent to us by Sean C. from Altadena, California. It's about 20 miles from where I'm at. I heard so much good from that area. There are groups up there in the hill. Incredible. And it just boggles the imagination. And in the early years of my high school days, I was running around in that area, you know, picking up girls, drinking. Ooh, not about me right now. It's about our writer from Spiritual Awakening, clearer than ever. A private investigator discovers that fate, not sight, will lead him out of the dark. An old saying says that one should walk by fate, not by sight. Until recently, I never really understood that what that phrase meant. In fact, for many years, I had done just the opposite. Walking primarily by sight and, at times, in reckless disregard of any kind of fate. I trusted what I saw because... What I saw was what I knew to be true. Sure, all the senses are important and each contributes greatly to the human experience. However, no sense was more valuable or trustworthy to me than my sight. Without my eyes, how would I know where I was going to in life? I thought I needed sight to see. But I was wrong about that. Instead of leading me to the promised land of my hopes and dreams, my sight led me to a crossroad of darkness and despair that I never saw coming. It was fate, not sight, that led me out of that darkness. There are many definitions in the world for the word fate. The Bible simply says fate is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Huh. 
In my 40s, I learned that fate for me is an action word. It's very easy to say, I believe in this or I trust in that. But can a person prove it? Can one trust in something without evidence to back it up? For me, faith is backup. Faith is the action of providing what one claims to believe or trust in. I was born in Santa Monica, California, 49 years ago. My biological parents divorced when I was just a baby. When I was four, my mother remarried to a Los Angeles police detective who raised and loved me as his own. I live in a beautiful, loving, blue-collar Catholic family on the west side of L.A. My childhood was fantastic. I never lacked for anything growing up. I excelled in school and sports. I had lots of friends, lots of opportunities, and lots of fun. After high school, I attended a nearby university for three years, but instead of finishing my degree, I took off for carnival in Brazil. Upon my return, I held various jobs from bartending to the film business before selling into a successful career as a licensed private investigator. I traveled the world personally and professionally and built a very good life throughout my 20s. But in my 30s, I destroyed what good life by falling victim to a raging alcohol and gambling problem which eventually led me to commit crimes using my private investigator badge and a gun. I committed armed robberies and got involved in legal trafficking. My physical stature was big, but my ego was, and personality were even bigger. I drank and committed crimes with impunity. I was the enforcer. I made my own luck, and I dispensed street justice because that was my job. I successfully avoided capture and successfully navigated the justice system at home and abroad. I felt bulletproof, untouchable, and entitlement. I never considered that anyone or anything was in charge of my life but me. I was eventually arrested multiple times for multiple offenses in both San Diego and L.A. counties. Then at the age of 40, I finally surrendered to the begging and pleading of my devastated and broken-hearted parents to enter rehab for treatment at age 40. When I entered rehab, I had eight felony charges pending. However, I only agreed to 30 days in rehab, and I only agreed to that much to get my family off my back. I wanted to prove to every concerned family member and friend that I didn't have a drinking problem. Don't forget, I was trained private investigator. I knew how to survive and cut deals. How the court system worked and what my legal rights were, I planned to fight everyone and everything because I trusted only me. But something else happened. Early on during my stay in rehab, I'd been waking up during the middle of many nights with headaches. The only other person awake during those early morning hours was the counselor on the graveyard shift, who began speaking to me about fate, God, and a life in sobriety. Those discussions happened regularly and became increasingly more intense, but I was not interested in a life in sobriety, which sounded extremely boring. I was in a rush to get back to my exciting life of crime, alcohol, and drugs. But as the chaos in my life calm and clarity of thought returned, I decided to stick around and fight the felonies from rehab, which I did by going to court routinely once a month with my lawyer and a letter from the rehab stating that I had met 
or exceeded all my treatment goals and regularly attended AA meetings. During that time, that graveyard counselor challenged me to prove my manhood and toughness by working the AA 12-step recovery program. So I worked the program, and as I did so, I connected on a deep spiritual level with a power greater than myself that I call God. I stayed in rehab working these steps and continued to surrender my old life for fate in a new one. There are many examples where fate led me to surrender my old life. At three months sober, I went to to a broker a drug deal. I went to broker a drug deal, but had a change of heart in the midst of it and walked away. I had faith that something better laid ahead. Another time, at six months sober, I chased an old girlfriend to San Francisco while on a 10-day rehab pass, only to realize that the relationship wasn't meant to be. I returned to rehab early because I had faith that something better laid ahead. These are examples of how I grew in faith. But I still faced four years in state prison for crimes I had committed in San Diego. My monthly appearances with my lawyer continued for eight months. Then one day, that graveyard counselor told me that it was time to put the negativity of my legal case behind me so that positive energy could enter my life. Again, I surrendered on faith and did just that. I was already leading a sober, honorable spiritual life by then. I had worked all 12 steps. I had turned my will my life over to care of God and sobriety. Yet I was still wanted to fight all the felony charges by holding out for the best legal deal I could get. Even if that deal was dishonorable, that counselor who had now become my sponsor helped me to understand what real accountability and honor is. He helped me understand that I was in fact guilty of all those felonies and that fighting them was just another example of faith in my own sight and not in God's will for me. So at 10 months over, I walk into the San Diego courtroom, raised my right hand, and pleaded guilty to a reduced two-felony deal. At that moment, I understood what real fate was because I immediately gave up my driver's license for one year and my private investigator license. I had to do some miscellaneous jail time. I also gave up my right to own a firearm for the rest of my life. And I received a five-year sentence of probation, which meant I gave up all rights for search and seizure of my car and property anytime with or without probable cause. All this I accepted on faith alone. Quite literally, as I raised my right hand in court, I clearly thought to myself, Okay, God, I hope you know what you're doing. Ultimately, I ended up with a new life. I'm now coming up on eight years of sobriety. I finished all my jail and probation time. I got my driver's license back, and I've been gainfully employed managing a family law practice for the past seven years. My relationship with family and friends are without question the best they ever been. I earned a newfound level of dignity and respect that I never knew was even possible, and I felt the absolute best I ever felt. Furthermore, I'm back in college now, finishing my undergraduate degree, after a 27-year absence, and I'm doing so with a huge heart full of gratitude. With all the value that I had placed over the years and what my eyes saw as truth, it turned out that fate granted me a new way to see. 
Sean C. from Altadena, California. Woo-hoo! What an incredible story. I related to some of those uh, situations. The, great, the hardest thing for us alcoholics is to cop out and stand in front of the court and, and not to say no contest, but say I'm guilty. Anyway, I have a lot of things to say, but none, just, just memories, not really uh, insp- inspiring. Let's go ahead and move over to uh, see what our sponsor is saying today. Our sponsor, Solomon. Let's walk to his house and get our, our daily reading for today, for the 20th of September. And we're using the Amplified Bible because it it hits it out of the park, man. It really like I'll I'll show you what I mean. Hey, hang on, let me knock on the door. Mr. Sponsor, Solomon, you up? We're all here standing at your door, waiting for wisdom advice and entertain us with your your books of wisdom, your proverbs. Here he comes. Everyone back up. Let's give our sponsor, Solomon, a chance to talk to us with a loud voice. Here he goes. Here he comes. Number one, verse one, he says, Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a righteous brawler. And whoever is intoxicated by it, it is not wise. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. I tell you, folks, that's a nice way to say the person is stupid. The, the person is uh, is locked in in um, insanity, and whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. Wine is a mocker, and you, I have all the scars to prove that that's a true statement. Strong drink, a righteous brawler. We all know that to be true. That statement it hits us hard. Okay, verse two. The terror of a king is like the roaring of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger forfeits his own life. (laughs) Excuse me for a minute. All right, all right now. The terror of a king is like the roaring of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger forfeits his own life. It is an honor for a man to keep away from strife by handling situations with thoughtful foresight. It is an honorable for a man to keep away from strife by handling situations with thoughtful foresight. But any fool will start a quarrel without regard for the consequences. Yep, that's like having a brawl in an AA meeting. We have to be the, um, handle the situations with thoughtful foresight. That anger and insults and so forth does not belong in an AA meeting. The person may not be drinking, but they have a problem with anger and they haven't done their fourth step properly. And they're there working for the enemy to to disenchant, if you will, the new person. Okay, amen. Number four, the lazy man does not plow when the winter planting season arrives. So he begs at the next harvest and has nothing to reap. 
A plan, motive, wise counsel in the heart of a man is like water in a deep well, but a man understanding draws it out. Woo! That is heavy. I've been reading this for years, folks. This is the best. A lot of a lot of these verses I read, and they give me a question mark. I always thought it was another, like a sponsor that draws out wise counsel from a person, which is true. But if you if you understand that inside your heart there's wise counsel, and you're a person of understanding, you can sit there and draw it out. I did that once. I bought five acres up in the mountains, and I went over there to fast, not eat. For My plan was 14 days. And I knew, and I took a lot of paper to write with because I knew this was going to happen. Wise counsel <clears throat> was going to pour from God. I don't know if it was from my gut. I just made the, uh, the situation available for me to receive wise counsel maybe my wise counsel that's where God is he says I'm inside of you I'm inside your heart and your in your gut you know there's a book written I read it in the in the library in West Sacramento library it's called the second brain and it talks about that the gut wise counsel and and there's the gut handles a lot of a lot of uh, information and control and instructions to the other parts of the body, the second brain. A plan, motive, wise counsel in the heart of a man is like water in a deep well. But if a man of understanding draws it out, so the best prayer for us, if we're still stuck in foolishness and anger and resentment, if we have a glimpse like I did, that foolishness is going to be arrested. And I ask you, God, make me an understanding man that I may draw it out. What's understanding? You're standing on top of a word, of a statement. Understanding, or actually you're holding. You you know, the, the story that we read, the reason that guy, the, the one about the fate is by not by sight, but by faith. The reason that's the guy, everything worked out for him because he was standing, he was out under the 12-step umbrella group. In other words, the uh, rehab had words of instruction in the air. Every time he got up, he thought about those words. Oh, I got to be grateful. Oh, I got to go clean the toilets for others. I got to go make coffee for others. Oh, I got to say hi. We all have one understanding that the 12 steps are in the forefront of our brain and we're, we're working those out. This is a 12-step house. The, the rules are the traditions and the 12 steps. This is what we do. We're honest with ourselves. So those words were all over that house when the man got up. Those words were constant. You know, the subconscious mind wants to know what's so in other words if he would have been released early in an apartment building wherever there was no words in the air nothing nothing and the person is left to themselves i believe he became a he came to by staying long in a 12-step program in in a house rehab 
where those words had a chance to seep into his heart and soul and and they and they're able to change the person and draw out understanding from a deep well meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting the presence of god is in honesty the presence of god is in truth the presence of god is in action so but a man of understanding draws it out whoo hey man we are on it this morning folks i hope you're tracking with me god bless you we got about 20 more verses hang tough here we go verse 6 many a man proclaims his own loyalty and goodness but who can find a faithful and trustworthy man the only person faithful and trustworthy i have found is is god himself he's 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 so faithful and trustworthy with experience and counsel and knowledge and one of my relationships weren't working out i get on my knee oh god i'm I'm in love, and I'm, uh, now my heart is broken again, and blah, 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 blah. And he listens to me. He goes, well, I told you, don't mess with that girl. <laughs> yeah. Okay, number seven. The righteous man who walks in integrity and lives life in accord with his godly beliefs. The righteous man who walks in integrity and lives life in accordance with his godly beliefs. How blessed, happy, and spiritually secure are his children after him who have his example to follow. Amen. These are my, I can say yes, in the 80s I started going to AA, so my children caught a lot of the AA sayings. And to this day, I have not seen them. Now they're, they're in their 40s. I have not seen them with a beer. I have not seen them with a case. I have not seen them with, with the things that plague or plague me. I used to tell that when my younger son was 13 years old, I said, get out of the room, go out there and steal a car and get some girls and go have some booze and have some fun, but he wouldn't budge. Man, I just kind of disciplined him too much. <laughs> I wanted him to get out there and do life. And uh, that's what I recommend to you people. Get your kids into Alateen right away. They can help so many people, even if they're not. They can help. Tell them, go conquer that program. Go conquer the literature and see what the program is all about and pay them. If you pay them, you know, they will not only save, but they'll come and save the house for the unruly people. They're people, you, there's so much faith, power, wisdom, strength, and ideas in what we're doing, folks. I recommend... It's just a bunch of words that bring you to truth and action, a high fire, higher power, and get in the right direction. Sea dues, snowmobiles, laughter, adventure, health. Come on. The righteous man who walks in, in integrity and lives life in accordance with godly beliefs or 12-step principles how blessed, happy, spiritual, secure are his children after him who have this example to follow. A discerning king who sits in the throne of judgment, verse 8, sifts all evil like shaft with his eyes and cannot be easily fooled. And we are that discerning king. And we sift our hearts, our minds, and our souls like shaft with eyes. And we cannot be easily fooled. We know ourselves. We know when we're fooling ourselves. God has given us that common sense. 
as a gift. Who can say, number verse 9, I have cleansed my heart, I am pure from sin. Who can say that? I heard people try to say that. I said, okay, loony farms. Number 10, deferring weights, one for buying and another for selling and deferring measures. Both of them are detestable and offensive to the Lord. 11. Even a boy is known and distinguished by his acts, whether his conduct is pure and right. You know, we have a little bit of control in our conduct when we're out there drinking and brawling, and we want to do good. That is a window, and that's how the person comes into the 12-step program. So don't spoil it. Be prepared to pass the message. Our primary purpose is to pass the message to the person that they're with their commitment, their, with their all their willpower, their conduct is pure and right, right at that moment. So it gives you an opportunity to, to place a good counsel into their hearts, like, uh, to thine own self be true. Put that in there. Or say, uh, only through the triangle, recovery, service, and unity will your life function. And it just put something in their hearts that they will grow on and always think about. Because that opportunity, that window will close. And then they will become judgmental, criticizing, but you got the you got the seed in there. That's the beauty of the program. About 15 million people have gone through the program. That's my estimation. And about 3 million have stood behind. And about maybe another one-third have done good and, and gone to yoga. They've gone to other places, but they strain out their lives. And wrote many books, wrote countless books, made a killing, started rehabs and all kinds of things, and out of the ideas that gotten out of the program and free. That's my opinion. That's what I see, folks. If you hear their stories, yeah, I was drunk and everything. I was in a rehab. They took me to this old bunch of old guys smoking, farting in there, and then from there. They don't give them credit, but they say, then I started doing my own thing, and I opened up my own house, and I started a recovery center and so forth. And now I have 12 rehabs all around the United States, and I'm earning millions of dollars. You hear those stories. I, I see those guys in Hawaii. I hear them in Hawaii. They have them as speakers. Number 12, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the omnipotent Lord, the all-powerful Lord has made both of them. So let's thank God for our ears. Let's thank God for our eyes. And this coincides with that story we read earlier. We walk by by faith, not by sight. The hearing ear and the seeing eye are gifts from God. So let us thank Him, God for our eyes. Let us thank Him for our ears that we can hear. Do not love excessive sleep or you will become poor. Open your eyes so that you can do your work and you will be satisfied with bread. 14, it is almost worthless. It is almost worthless, says the buyer, as he negotiates the price. But when he goes away, then he boasts about his bargain. Be fair with yourself, with your own goods, and, and be good to you. The, the hardest thing is trying to be honest when you're selling a, a product. You know, some of us don't get, you know, you got wise, shrewd buyers. So we try to be wise, shrewd sellers and meet them in the, in the middle. Fifteen, 
There is gold and an abundance of pearls, but the lips of knowledge are a vessel of preciousness, the most precious of all. There is gold and an abundance of pearls, but the lips of knowledge are a vessel of preciousness, the most precious of all. Woohoo! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, higher power. 16. The judge tells the creditor, take the clothes of the one who is surety for a stranger and hold him in pledge when he guarantees a loan for foreigners. Can you imagine a guy selling cars and then says, well, I'll I'll sign for you. So you need a little more better credit for the car. That's what they're talking here. Foolish, foolish for greed. 17. Food gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth is filled with gravel, just as sin may be sweet at first, but later its consequences bring despair. And that's what we see with the military. I heard about the guys, every 17 seconds, someone's suiciding themselves, either teenager or military or person like that. And all it is, is the, the, the thought of sin won't go away, you know, Pornography, brawling, drinking, cussing, swearing, uh, being unfaithful to God is all that is deceit gain, food gained by deceit is sweet to men. A sin may be sweeter for you. Yeah, it's sweet, it's nice. But later, its consequences bring despair. You know, it's mysterious, it's curious, all that stuff. Curiosity, say, oh, I wonder what it feel like to, you know, to gamble, you know. But look at how much despair and suicide has brought. That's the problem with the whole world, folks. It's not. It's there. Our laws are against the Creator of the heavens and the earth, and our consciousness, which is the tr- truth or consequence in our own head. The justice system causes us to try to justify. And, and be the, the the jury, the executioner, and we don't plead for mercy from a higher power because of our pride, our ego. There you go. The best antidote is say, mercy, mercy, I'm a misfit, I messed up, God, help me. I did that, and I'm going to Hawaii this month, this coming month, again, free, I tell you, the wife, the wife says, "Hey, the uh, because we're using our <clears throat> our credit cards, good. We got so many thousands of miles saved up." She goes, "Both of you to tra-, She says, "Both of us to travel to Hawaii is going to cost us five dollars and sixty-eight cents, one way. We still have to pay though." She always says things like that, but we have to pay on the way back. But our room and board are free from people that we talk to about this program. People are giving giving us gifts, you know, certificates for, I got, I got stacks of little certificates people have given me. They're giving me rings, bicycles, even cars for being in this program. Wow, isn't that wonderful? There's a prayer that I've been saying that I, I like to recommend that you say it because, uh, there's an abundance of everything. It's, it's, it's the opening on our side that's the problem. We're not able to imagine it and put it in our hearts because we're wise. We, we, we judge ourselves not worthy. 
And you say, oh, no, I, I got my job. No, that's pride, folks. I said there's an abundance of greatness and goodness and, and more. More so you can help more. That's all. That's why you want more, so you can help more. So you can reach more people out there. Say this prayer. Say, the supply for it is not here yet. But it will come if we should have it. It will surely come. Amen. Now the emphasis is it's a statement because we're already been giving these supplies. It's already a done deal. It's like you, us going outside and, and uh, breathing a, a big breath of air or drinking a, a big glass of water. The supply is already there. All we have to do is... As, we're doing action, acting towards it. That's why we just claim it's almost not even a prayer. It's more like a prophecy. It's like claiming our inheritance. Our inheritance is for it is not here yet, but it will come if we, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, should have it. They want it for us. It will surely come. They, they deemed it all available since the foundations of the earth it's already there and you can prove that by experimenting with it say it for 40 days day and night and then send me a send me a free trip to somewhere if it works for you i'm kidding help somebody go get a big book and or a bible and go go to mcdonald's and say meeting happening now and then have the big book or the Bible, and have a 15-20 minute discussion. Okay, 18. Plans are established by counsel, so make war only with wise guidance. That's AA for me, folks. My, why, my war is against laziness, apathy, um, Complaining, criticizing, condemning <clears throat> my own self. Plans are established by counsel. The AA counsel will fix the human soul, folks. So we make war against our bad actions with this wise guidance of experience that these guys have gone before us. <clears throat> That's what Bill W. did. They took their experience and said, hey, there's spiritual help. We can beat this through spiritual wise counsel. So we make war against the lazy person that's inside of us. Amen. 19. He who goes about as a gossip reveals secret. Therefore, do not associate with a gossip who talks freely or flatters. Okay, even a flattering person. I probably flatter too much others, you know. I probably gossip. Yep, I'm it. Father, forgive me. I'm a gossiper. I'm a flatterer. Lord, I need improvement is the biggest improvement in the room, the biggest room in the house, improvement. Number 20, whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp of life will be extinguished in time of darkness. In other words, you'll go to hell, folks. 21, an inheritance hastily gained by greedy, unjust means at the beginning will not be blessed in the end. So the best thing to do is to give it away if you get something that Give it to the poor. Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait expectantly for the Lord, and he will rescue and save you. I, you know, that's the one that's, that I don't see 
when, you know, uh, something happens. I don't see it too quickly executed. And then I, I turn on the, the tables on myself. Well, maybe it's me. I need, I, I'm still hurt. I still have pride. I still have anger. I, I still, so I need to thank God for the offense and keep working and keep working until I get the cesspool and get all the junk out and, and sift out what's not working in my life because I'm flying off the handle. <clears throat> and then it's, it's all a, a testing to make gold out of us. You know, we're in it for the gold, folks. So do not say, I will repay evil. You take it on to yourself, which a lot of us do, especially as men. We wait. <clears throat> the, the problem is we probably don't wait expectantly for the Lord, like I told you. Wait down with paper and pencil and wait expectantly for the Lord for ideas. That how is God going to recompensate me? How will he rescue and save? Yeah, put that word down. How is God going to recompensate me for this evil that's been done to me or this offense? So take all the offenses from the past and put them all down and write it down and say, and, and cash them in. Cash them in for he, the Lord will rescue and save you. He will give you wisdom or he'll give you supply or he'll give you something but he will make it up to you it's it's a promise he will rescue and save you amen see there are benefits that even in being offended we have benefits folks it turns right into honor and glory and people see god when that happens 23 deferring weights are detestable and offensive to the lord and fraudulent scales are not good <clears throat> in other words be honest in our sellings 24, man's steps are ordered and ordained by the Lord. How then can a man fully understand his way? Isn't that wonderful? I can't understand today. I can't understand my way. Am I going to turn to the left or the right? How then can a man fully understand his way? Well, someone else is in control. So that's how I understand my way. Because man, my steps are ordered and ordained by the Lord. See how beautiful the Amplified Bible is? I have first time I see the word ordained. What does ordained mean? It means they've been sanctified, blessed from the foundations of the earth, folks. It means they're ironclad. They're locked in. Lock and load, baby. Lord, <clears throat> Father, God, order my steps today that I may see you how you ordain it from the foundations of the earth that I may fully do your will. Amen. See, I think the problem with me is I don't give myself wholly to God's will, to His ways, just fall backwards into His hands. Amen. Okay, verse 25. It is a trap for a man to speak a vow of consecration and rash, and say rashly, he, it is holy, and, and not until afterwards consider whether he can fulfill it. In other words, don't trap yourself by speak, making vows and making uh, things you know you can't fulfill. Don't make promises you can't make. Think about it. Say, well, I'll get back with you tomorrow. Let me think about it. But, the, but mostly it's no. You know, you need to protect your time with, with your, your counseling with God. 26, a wise king sifts out the wicked from among the good 
and drives the threshing wheel over them to separate the shaft from the gain. This this is against vanity, folks. Everybody has vanity. In other words, God has given us so many good qualities that we 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 get vain. He's given us the sun, the beautiful moon, and all these things, and we become entitled entitlements. So we can be the wise king on our own self. You know, by opening up those books, opening up the, the Holy Bible, opening up the AA book, and read the stories and see how they lost, how they came to, and then how they found God. Yeah, of course, they say that you don't have to find God and so forth. That's not, we're not talking about those people, fine and dandy, go for it. But I'm not in that camp. I'm in the camp of what Bob and Bill W. They used to have their Bible studies in the morning. They believed. They said it. The master, talking about Jesus. What will the master do? A wise king sits out the wicked from among the good and drives the threshing wheel over them to separate the shaft from the grain. 27. The spirit, conscience of man, is the lamp of the Lord, searching and examining all the innermost parts of his being. There you go, folks. We have God that goes with us with honesty. And as soon as we open the door, okay, God, I'll be honest with you. Let's go inside my castle and let's go look at all the corridors and all the rooms and all. And let's go and examine with the light of the Spirit. And let's see what's inside of us. That's step four, folks. 28. Loyalty and mercy, truth and faithfulness protect the king. And he upholds his throne by loving kindness. Loyalty and mercy, truth and faithfulness protect the king. Those, those, first thing they thought about is my sponsor. Loyalty and mercy, truth and faithfulness is always there. Those, all those things doesn't talk about other people. Kind and holds his mouth when offended. And he upholds his throne that he upholds the AA meeting by loving kindness. Or a home. 29. The glory of young men is their physical strength, and the honor of aged men is their gray head, representing wisdom and experience. So, what do we get in the 12 step program? We get wisdom and experience, because we're always sharpening each other, folks. Day and night, day and night, phone calls, Zoom meetings, literature, podcasts. Number 30, blows that wound cleanse away evil, and strokes reach to the innermost parts. That's why fasting and cutting yourself meals and being hard to yourself will cleanse away evil, folks. Or making yourself go to meetings, you know. If you're an evil person, go to a meeting and don't say nothing for a year. Tell them your sponsor, Fernando, told you to go in there. Any of you that need sponsors, I'd like to be your sponsor. And I'll ask you to go to the meeting. And if you know you have devils in you, you want to kill, steal, destroy, want to rob, want to criticize, complain, condemn, that's that's an evil spirit there. Unhappiness and dissatisfaction with life. Go to the 12-step program and sit there and just be courteous. Say your name. And they said, my sponsor said for me not to speak for a year. And let the prayers and the testimonies uh, sift your heart and get those devils out of there. I'm telling you, those devils will stand outside waiting for you. 
when you walk outside, they'll jump back on your head. And then from there, and then you'll walk out one day and they'll be across the street. You'll walk out of the meeting again and then you'll see them way down at the hill on the side and they'll be waving to you and then they'll walk away and then fine, finally I'm free from them. But folks, we one-third of the race is contaminated with evil spirits. They're, they came to us by evil actions. And we get easily contaminated. I was having a, a quiet time in my room and, I, and sometimes you see into the spirit, you know, you doze off. And I dozed off and I saw on the window of my front door outside, there was like a, a six foot, six and a half foot devil with horns like a ram. And he had chains in his hands and he was cussing and spitting and he was looking at me with hatred and he was shaking the, the chains and saying, not saying, I don't know what he was saying, but I just saw him that he like, trying to to chain us up folks and i heard this other guy uh, billy berkey he was a partier and he's doing the same thing i do but he does it straightly through the through the bible and he said when i pray for people i hear chains fall off i hear chains and i hear screaming and people leave you know something left that person and i myself was in a meeting one time when i was when I was new in the program and I was searching for spirituality, we had the meeting and then we prayed the Our Father and we held hands and I had my eyes closed and as I was praying, I heard something in my stomach go doop and something black went up and as I had my eyes closed, it was blacker in my eyes and it went and left me. Something disconnected and left my stomach as we were saying the Our Father. Okay, let's imagine you're holding hands with a group of loving, honest people that you love. And let's say the Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. I said that prayer a little bit too fast. But please say it over and over again. Imagine you're, you're the best, honest, loving, kindest people holding hands with them. And say the prayer over and over again to, to clean your own body out. You can will it through that prayer. saying it ten times a day if you're brokenhearted, whatever. If you need instructions, just bring it into your soul and it will work, folks. Give them heaven. Have a great day. I don't know what's going on. I usually do these in 20 minutes. Here we go, another 55 minutes. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine you. May you be happy all the days of your life. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming to today's meeting. everyone for coming in today's podcast my name is fernando i am an alcoholic i have my friend rick he's in the program too and we'll be both reading from the aa highlights from the aa big book our first reading is on page 24 of your aa big book so let's go ahead and open it up with a set aside prayer please 
God, I set aside everything I think I know about you, about my fellow man, about about this program, and myself for a free, a fresh new revelation, a new delight, Lord, a new joy in you and my fellow man, in my program and in myself. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's go ahead and pray the uh, serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Amen. All right, go ahead and hit it off, Rick, please. The package most of all is to raise the young, to obscure, have lots of power, choice, and drink. Our so-called will power practically not existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into the consciousness of what's significant force of memory of the suffering of uh, humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defenses for strength. The most certain consequences follow that taking even a glass of beer do not crowd the mind to deter us. <coughs> These thoughts occur, they are hazily and rapidly supplanted with ill threat our idea of well, we can handle ourselves like other people. There was a complete failure against this kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hands on a hot stove. And the alcoholic may say to himself in the most casual way, it's not going to burn me this time, so here's how. Or perhaps he doesn't think at all. How often has some of us have begun to drink in this nonchalant way, and after the third or fourth pounded on the bar and said to ourselves, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again, only to have that thought supplanted by, well, I'll stop with a sixth drink. Or what's the use anyhow? When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid and unless locked up may die or go permanently insane. These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history. But for the grace of God, there would have been thousands and thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many want to stop but cannot. Through this solution, most none of us like the self-searching limit of our pride, confessions are shortcomings which progressive requires for a successful conversation. But we have, but we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in, in a hopeless and fertility of life which we had been living. When we, uh, therefore, we were approached by those whom the problem had been solved. There was nothing but a left for us to do but pick up a spiritual, simple, Get up spiritual tools there our feet. We have found much of heaven been rocking into a fourth dimension with the resistance that we have found in human dreams. The great fact is just nothing less. Uh, if we had deep and affected spiritual experiences, which we have revolutionized the whole action towards life, towards God, towards our fellows, and towards God's universe. A central factor of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is deep miraculous. He has convinced and accomplished those things for, for, for us which we could never do by ourselves. If you are seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there's no middle of the road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible and if we had passed into the region for which there is no return through human aid we had but two alternatives one was to go on to the bitter end blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situations the best we could 
and the other was to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. Let's turn to page 62, please. Selfishness, self-centeredness. That, we think, is the root of our troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past we have been made decisions based on self, which later place us in a position to be hurt. So our trouble meetings are basically on our own thinking. They arise by ourselves and they are always an extreme example of self will run right. And no, he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we must be rid of the selfishness. We must or it kills us. God makes that possible. And when our office seems no we have entirely get rid of so without his aid. Many of us had moral and physiological conditions galore, but we could not look up to them. We could not fully like to. Neither could we reduce our self centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. Just the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. And next, we had directed in a, thereafter in the drama of life. God was going to be our director. He is a principal. We are our saviors. Thank you. Uh, he is the father, we are his children. Uh, most good ideas are simple, and and this concept was uh, keystone of the new triumphant arch which we passed through freedom. When we uh, sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things happened. <clears throat> Followed. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and perform his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves and our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life as we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. We were now at step three. Many of us said to our maker as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Page 76, please. Uh, when writing, we say something like this, my creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I now pray that you now remove me from every single defective character which stands in my way of my usefulness. To you and my fellows, grant me the strength as I go out there to your bidding. Amen. We have now completed step seven. Turn to page 86, please. Uh, on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead before we consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking. 
especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is clear or wrong motives. Yeah. And think about our day with things and decisions we may be able to determine which course to take. Here's what we ask God for inspiration and two of thought or decision or decision. We may relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are surprised how far how right the answers come after we try this for a while. What used to be the hunter of occasional inspiration becomes back because of the fourth part of the mind. Being still in experience and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times, but we might pay for the presumptions of all sorts of obscure actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more on the plane of inspiration we come to rely upon. We usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. If circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggesting about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. page 416 please all the way to the back of the book 416 it helped me a great deal to become convinced that alcoholism was a disease not a moral issue that I have been drinking as a result of a compulsion even though I have not been aware of that compulsion at that time and that sobriety was not a matter of willpower the people of AA had something that looked much, much better than what I had, but I was afraid to let go of what I had in order to try something new. There was a certain sense of security in the familiar. At last, acceptance proved to be the key to my drinking problem. After I'd been around AA for seven months, tapering off alcohol and pills and not finding the program working very well, I was finally able to say, okay, God, it is true that I, of all people, strange as it may seem, and even though I didn't give my permission, really, really am an alcoholic of sorts, and it is all right with me. Now what am I going to do about it? When I stopped living in the problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away. 
From that moment on, I have not had a single compulsion to drink. I accept it as the answer to all my problems, Dave. When I'm disturbed because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, or some fact of my life unacceptable to me, and I find there is no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be at the moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in the last world by mistake until I accept my alcoholism. I could not stay sober unless I accept my life completely on life's terms. I cannot be happy. I need not to concentrate so much on what needs to be changed in the world, but what needs to be changed in me and my attitude. Shakespeare said all the world is changed, all the men and women are really players. And we forgot, he forgot to mention I was a good critic. I was always able to uh, see the flaw in every person, every situation, and I was always glad to point it out because I knew he wanted perfection, just as I did. AA and acceptance has taught me that I, there's a bit of good in the worst of us and a bit of bad in the best of us. And all of us, that we are, well, I, my eyesight's going right now. We are all this children of God in which each have a right to be here. When I complain about you and me, it's not, it's about, when I complain about me or about you, I'm complaining about God's handiwork. I'm saying I know better than God. For years, I was sure the worst thing that could happen to a nice guy like me would be that I would turn out to be an alcoholic. Today, I find it's the best thing that ever happened to me. This proves I don't know what's good for me. And if I don't know what's good for me, then I don't know what's good or bad for you or for anyone. So I'm better off if I don't give advice, don't figure I know what's best, and just accept life on life's terms as it is today. Especially my own life as it actually is. Before AA, I judged myself by my intentions while the world was judging me by my actions. Acceptance has been the answer to my marital problems. It is as though AA has given me a new pair of glasses. Max and I have been married now for 40, 35 years. Prior to our marriage, when she was a shy, scrawny adolescent, I was able to see things in her that others couldn't necessarily see. Things like beauty, charm, gaiety, a gift of being easy to talk to and a sense of humor, and many other fine qualities. It was as if I had, rather than a Midas touch which turned everything to gold, a magnifying mind which magnified whatever it focused on. Over the years, as I thought about Max, her good qualities grew and grew, and we married, and all these qualities became more and more apparent to me, and we were happier and happier. I could do the same thing with an with a <laughs> with an AA meeting. I was going to say Alan. The more I focus my mind on its defects, late stars, long drunkalogs, cigarettes, smoke, the worse the meeting becomes. But when I try to see what I can add to the meeting, 
Rather than what I can get out of it, and when I focus my mind on what's good about it, rather than what's wrong with it, the meaning keeps getting better and better. When I focus on what's good today, I have a good day. And when I focus on what's bad, I have a bad day. If I focus on a problem, the problem increases. If I focus on the answer, the answer increases. Page 420, please. Perhaps the best thing for me to remember that my, my strength is universally proportional to my expectations. So the higher my expectations of max and other people are, the, low, the lower my strength. I can then watch my strength level rise when I discard my expectations, but then my rise try to move in. And they too can force my strength level down. I can discard my rise as well as my expectations, but my, by asking myself how is important is it really? How supported as is compared to my serenity and my emotional sobriety. And when I place more value on my serenity and my sobriety than anything else, I can maintain it at a higher level, at least for the time being. Acceptance has been the key to my relationship with God today. I never just surround nothing about waiting for him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do what's ever in front of me that needs to be done and the results of the however it turns out. That's God's will. I must keep my mind my mind of my acceptance and my expectations for my journey is directly proportional to my level of acceptance. When I remember this, I, I, I when I remember this, I, I <laughs> when I remember this, I can see I've never had it so good. Thank God for AA. Amen. Thank God for AA. Page 552. He said, in effect, if you have a resentment you want to be free of, if you will pray for that person or the thing that you resent, you will be free. If you ask in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their health, their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free, even when you don't really want it for them and your prayers are only words and you don't mean it. Go ahead and do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks and you will find... You have come to mean it and want it for them. And you will realize that where you used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassionate, understanding, and love. It worked for me then, and it has worked for me many times since, and it will work for me every time I am willing to work it. Sometimes I had to ask first for the willingness, but it, too, always comes. And because it works for me, it works for all of us. As another great man says, the only real f freedom a human being can ever know is doing what you ought to do because you want to do it. This great experience that released me from the bondage of hatred and replaced it with love is just really another affirmation of the truth I know. I get everything I need in Alcoholic Anonymous and everything I need I get. And when I get what I need, I invariably find that it was just what I wanted all the time. Page 100, please. Page 100, both you and the new man. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If we persist for work, well, things will happen. When we look back, we realize that there are things that give to us when we were, put ourselves in God's hands. We're much better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power, and you will just live in a new, wonderful world, no matter what the present circumstances. Amen. Uh, page 83, please. We're thinking about this space in our development. We're, we're amazed for what we're halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom, a new, uh, a new happiness. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not 
Jesus, Lord, and we will comprehend the words of praying. And we will know peace, no matter how far down the scale we apply. We will see how our experience can prevent others and the billion of resources and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our problems. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us in. We will truly know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize God is doing it for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. We are being uh, fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Amen. Page 85, please. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laws. We're headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle fault. We're not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line. All we wish, it is the proper use of the will. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from Him who has all knowledge and power. If we have carefully followed directions, we have begun to sense the flow of His Spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God-conscious. We have begun to develop this vital sixth sense. But we must go further, and that means more action. Page 43, please. Most of the alcohol at certain times have no effect on mental defense against first strength, except for a few rare cases, neither nor any other human being to provide such defense. This defense must come from a higher power. D.N., wonderful, wonderful, beautiful, beautiful words of life. Thank you. Let's go ahead and close out with the Lord's Prayer, please. Okay. Our Father... Who art in heaven? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us trespassers, and we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well said, Rick. See you tomorrow, young man. God bless you all. Take care, brother. All right, brother. Thank you for coming on today's podcast. I'm Fernando. I'm alcoholic and your secretary. Let's go ahead and open this session with a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can't, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. I have in the background a little sleep music, which is, it says 174 gigahertz or with an H on it for pain and stress relief. It's called S-O-L-F-E-G-G-I-O sleep music. It was just really smooth and it works in the background to uh, relieve that side of our brain that's got a lot of tension. I hope you're enjoying it. Remember, sobriety is a journey, not a destination. And what we're going to experience today in this session is a journey. So come with me, folks. A little bit of my experience, hope and strength, and a lot of written information that's that's proven to bring people out of trouble. So here we go. We're going to start off with our... our uh, 
grapevine. Yeah, a story from the grapevine. Okay, we're going to turn it around. It's called an eight hour, eight dollars an hour. Okay. After liquor destroyed his career, he had to start all over again. With a leap of faith, he took his sponsor's suggestion. Like many people who come through the doors of AA to find sobriety, my life was in shambles. My gas tank was empty, and I was running on fumes in all aspects of my life, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and financially. My wife had just pulled out and had taken about everything that wasn't nailed down. My problems were compounded when she left because by then my chronic alcoholism had made her the primary breadwinner by default. Although I had at one time been a competent businessman with good earning capacity, I had become a hopeless alcoholic because of my continuous drunkenness. I had burned all of my corporate and professional bridges and was unable to find work of any kind. After months of complaining about my lack of employment, my sponsor offered a unique idea. He asked, why don't you try praying for a job? Why don't you try praying for a job? Praying for a job? Praying for a job? What kind of solution was that? I had always used deceit and my superior intellect to con my way into various high-paying positions. And now some old man with an eight grade education and who made his living as a heavy equipment operator wanted me to pray for a job? Imagine that. For no other reason than to prove my sponsor wrong, that very night I prayed for a job. To my surprise, the first thing the next morning, the phone rang. It was my neighbor from around the road. He had heard that I was looking for work and he had a position for me working as a tail saw year at a sawmill with a starting wage of eight dollars an hour for those who know don't know what a tail sawyer is he's the person who takes the lumber immediately after it's been cut and stacked it in various piles according to length width and thickness clearly my neighbor did not really realize that i was a 32 year old university graduate and that any kind of manual labor was considerably below my station in life. And what was this $8 an hour nonsense? In my entire life, I had never worked for as little as $8 an hour, not even when I was a kid. But then, before I refused this employment outright, I had a flash. I would phone my sponsor to tell him how his ridiculous praying for a job experiment had worked out. So I called him and explained the exact situation. I remember the conversation as it was yesterday. Roy, listen to me, Roy. Roy, I prayed for a job last night. I told him, and this morning I was offered a position as a tail sawyer. Fantastic, Roy responded. But it pays $8 an hour, I said. Better yet, he replied. But that's not what I prayed for. I said, what kind of work did you pray for, he asked. I didn't specify, I just prayed for a job, I answered. Well, what is it? He said, a job, I answered. Apparently, this is the job that God wanted you to have because you prayed and he answered, he said. And then he hung up. So for the next three weeks, I worked as a tail sawyer for $8 an hour for my neighbor down the road. 
and my life was rocketed into the fourth dimension of existence. Not only did I love every aspect of that job, but that, that $8 an hour not only kept the gas, electricity, and telephone on in my house, it allowed me to earn some way more valuable, something more valuable. My first speck of humility. That experience of praying for work taught me that through some of God's smallest windows, you can see some of the largest vistas. I also recognized that the difference between a stepping stone and a stumbling block is six inches. Those being the six inches between my ears. Over the years, I was able to turn that humble beginning in the sawmill into something more than I could have asked for or imagined. I became fascinated by the whole woodlot management process. For several years, the woodlot became my life's work. By grace, I was able to share my experience, strength, and hope with other small forest owners, showing them precisely how they can have fun, make money, and protect the environment all at the same time. Now, 25 years later, I own my own sawmill company. When my friends asked me how I did it, I simply replied, one day at a time, from Bruno W. Collington, Alberta. Woohoo! What a beautiful story. I'm Fernando Alcoholic, and that's my story. Yet, I had fumes. I mean, that is my story, folks. The first thing that ran to my mind, I experienced that. The second thing that ran to my mind, Bill W. experienced that. I was reading that. Okay? And the third thing that I experienced is that I had also prayed. For instance, I had always had someone living with me from a rehab. You know, they get out of uh, the hospital or something. They don't have a place to live. So, that, you know, they got some sort of income, and I had to discipline them that they have to pay their rent because if they don't pay it, I have to pay it. That was a big one. I finally got that message through. And then one guy left, moved on. Oh, no, no, I didn't have a person. I prayed, and the next day someone calls me and tells me, Man, I've been living in my car for the last four days. I got all this stuff. I don't have nowhere to go. And I had just gotten married, and I and I went on a tour for two months somewhere. I had plants, and the house was going to be by themselves. I had an extra bedroom with a bed in there. I had a key hidden in back, inside, inside the round barbecue, outside the metal barbecue. And my new wife, my wife now, she kept saying, how many alcoholics does it take to find the key? The guy could not find the key. He turned the barbecue upside down and everything about eight times. Finally, he said, I said, just pick up the lid, put your head inside where it's dark, in the mouth of the round thing, and there's, he couldn't find it. Well, lo and behold, the plants did die. When I got back after two months, the guy was talking to the appliances. When I got there, he would yell at the toaster, and I, I thought to myself, well, I had trouble with toasters, too. I can relate to that. <laughs> but, um, okay, so the other thing that happened, I had fumes in the car. I, I went from one meeting to another meeting, and I don't know how I got there. The first meeting I went to, I, I got there with fumes. I had bought a piece of property. I was trying to do some great things, and I, my finances became a, a blur, and I wasn't going to meetings. I wasn't getting my spirit fixed. I had five years. And that's when the guy, one of the guys came up to me at five years and 
poked me on the chest and said, you should be a secretary. You should be up and running. You should be caring for the people. And he poked me on my, my chest because he thought I was new. I said, nah, I got five years in my body language. I, I salute these guys that had the guts and the balls to come up and talk to me and tell me what I should be doing for the people. I had another guy that told me I wasn't going to make it if I didn't read six hours a day. My body language commanded him to tell me that. Anyway, I finally got to the, getting back to the story. I had fumes to go from one place to the other, uh, from one recovery from the 9 a.m. to run over to the 12 noon and see if there's any hope in there because I didn't have any. I don't even think I had a place. to. My place that I bought in the mountains was too far. I didn't have enough gas to make it up there. So I went to this thing and I prayed for work. And this guy says, ah, you want to go cut grass with me? This old man who is my friend today who called me yesterday after 20 years. And I said, yeah, I had the great. He taught, he, taught, he taught me how to cut grass. He says, now here I am. I was a real estate license selling stocks, really all kinds of things. And I'm down to fumes. And I'm down, and he paid me $8 for the day. I had so much fun, guys, cutting grass that day. He taught me, he goes, you start on the outside and you work, you know, all your way to the inside in squares. And you do it at 85%. Don't try to make it perfect. He says, run it at 85%. You know, uh, your work, do it at 85%. Let's get out of here. We got more work. And that's what I did. And then when we took lunch, we took a, a our lunch at a college where they had inexpensive food. They had new, and he read. He put his newspaper reading and just relaxing. I think it was an hour and a half. And I'm looking at the people across. Is there's a big cemetery with all kinds of uh, old. This was in Sacramento, California. Old. Uh, um, tombstones and I'm looking at that and I'm just I'm taking in all the young people and I'm taking in the, the cemetery and I'm taking my life in and God is speaking to me and I feel his presence and I said it's the journey folks it's the presence of the journey the fun and the sun is hitting us we're outside in the patio eating and he paid for lunch I didn't have no money and then he paid me $8 at the end of the day took me back to my car I had gas, folks. I had gas. You know, when I go to the Spanish meetings, they told me, you need to be over here. You need to be translating from English to Spanish, from Spanish to English. That's what I did in Sacramento. I, I, I translated. And one time when I was translating, we were having a business meeting. And uh, I, the guys have their headphones on. I'm in the back translating. And uh, the funny thing about it is uh, I was wondering if they were listening to me. I was wondering if I was getting across. So this beautiful blonde walked in on the right side. And I said to the guys, I said, Ira la güera, la bonita güera. And they all turned to look at her. So I figured, oh, they're listening to me. So I... I had one more point. The point is that the, the, the Hispanic, the Spanish meetings, one of the guys told me, 
There's no need for work here because God gives everyone work. That's been our experience here in this group. That's what he flatly told me. He said, there's no need for needs here. And then uh, it was funny how they closed their meetings in the Spanish session. They did, though, the hombres, I call them the hombres, the men didn't hold hands. When they closed the session, everyone prayed the Our Father, but they had their own hands down and they all prayed it really fast on their own. Kind of interesting. I guess it takes courage to hold hand, huh? another man's hand. I don't know. But it works for them. All right, moving right along. Um, Long-winded this morning. I'm going to go ahead and move over to... Uh, where are we? Oh, we haven't even read the reflections yet. And today's uh, reflection is... The 19th of September, acceptance. We admitted we couldn't lick alcohol with our own remaining resources. And so we accepted the further fact that dependence upon a higher power, if only our AA group could do this hitherto impossible job, the moment we were able to accept these facts fully, our release from the alcohol compulsion had begun. As Bill sees at page 106. 109, as Bill sees it. Again, we admitted we couldn't lick alcohol. That was me. With our own remaining resource. That was my experience. So I didn't accept the acceptance that the further fact that dependence upon a higher power, if only our AA group, and that was me, could do this here, there too, impossible job. That was my experience. The moment we were able to accept these facts fully, our release from the alcohol compulsion had begun. Beautiful, wonderfully well said. Incredible. That's exactly what happened, folks. The osmosis, the facts that I was released from alcohol came into me like osmosis, little by little. It disconnected that evil spirit that kept telling me, begging me to drink. That alcohol compulsion had begun. Thank you, God. And I continue to maintain it. I go. Because I st if I get into criti criticizing, condemning, complaining, the three C's, that then that spirit will come talk to me. Freedom came to me only when my acceptance that I could turn my will and my life over to the care of my higher power, whom I call God. Serenity seeped into the chaos of my life when I accepted that what I was going through was life and that God would help me through my difficulties and much more as well. Since then, he has helped me through all of my difficulties. When I accept situations as they are, not as I wish them to be, then I can begin to grow and have serenity and peace of mind. Again, Today's daily reflection, freedom can come to me only when my acceptance that I could turn my will and my life over to care of my higher power and my work and my eight-hour jobs, $8 an hour, whom I call God. Serenity seeped into the chaos of my life when I accepted that what I was going through was life, that what I was experiencing was life, and that God would help me through my difficulties and much more as well. 
Since then, he has helped me through all of my difficulties. When I accept the situations as they are, not as I wish them to be, then I can begin to grow and have serenity and peace of mind. When I accept, what are situations, folks? I'll give you an example. This just ran through my mind as I read it, and sometimes I think it's God. When I, when I was, after my first DUI and drag racing my 55 Chevy down San Diego like a crazy man with a new motor I put in it, and I got busted, then here I go. I built the house of cards all over again. I'm in Los Angeles. I'm in a, I'm in Bellflower, California, working in Carson for a good company. I had rebuilt my financial situation. My social was so-so. The district attorney and the IRS still wanted me. And uh, I just bought a... And at that time, I don't think... Uh, Anyway, I wasn't driving. Even I was restored, I believe. I didn't have a license, and I bought a motorcycle. Somebody was selling a motorcycle for 500 bucks. Because the guy went to the Army, and the parents didn't want him to have that motorcycle, so they just wanted to get rid of it. I don't even remember getting any paperwork or anything. I just gave them the money. I never drove a motorcycle before. never been on a motorcycle before. Maybe I've been on a three-wheeler, you know, a little something. But I got on the bike and I just started punching the gears and stuff like that and releasing the thing and I can do this and I get on the freeway. And then on the freeway, I hit a bug, bam, and then a rock hit me in the face. And now that's life, folks. That bug was living life and going wherever it wants to go. Or that and and I smacked me and him smacked each other. He smacked me and it was it stinged. And then another bug, then the rock. and So that's life, folks. Other bugs have their own will, and we, we bump heads. So what, what the program has taught me is uh, put a shield on the motorcycle, get a helmet, and put on, put on some goggles. That's the program for me. Life is happening. I'm happening. I'm bumping into other people's. See what I mean? Can you imagine me pulling over the side and crying and drinking? I'm not going to drive the motorcycle because there's bugs out there. There's rocks. They have their own will. They keep getting in my way. And that's what a, people, a lot of people, that's what a lot of us do in life. I'm not going to go out there and try another relationship or another job or try to buy a house or try to go as a career for this career to be the doctor or be a, a blood analyst or be a meteorologist or it's gonna take too long life is hard i'd rather stay under my parents wings here they i'll act like a kid and they'll pay my bills and i can just play video games all day long and not have any will exercising my will out there there's a little or i can hide in the bars like i've done isn't that what life is all about everybody so it's best that we put on some helmets and goggles and go out there and and enjoy people right maybe some uh, boxing helmets and boxing gloves and just go ha go at it go have fun go experience life Boy, I'm really out of it this morning, huh?
Thank you guys for accepting me and my, we call it Weedy Weedy. Okay, here we go. We're going to go to our, our uh, sponsor's house. We're going to walk over there. Let's run over there and let's knock on his door. Sponsor, sponsor Solomon, are you up? Here he comes to the door. Back off, folks. Solomon's coming to the door. He's going to open the door. Mr. Solomon, do you have any words of wisdom for us today? And then, well, today's the 19th. Well, okay, I'll, he's going to read us from Proverbs 19, guys. So listen up. These are three, 4,000-year-old words. And it's concerning the conduct of life on life's conduct. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is twisted in his speech and is a short-sighted fool. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is twisted in his speech and is a short-sighted fool. Also, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge. He who hurries with his feet, acting impulsively and proceeding without caution, or analyze the consequences of sins, or analyzing the consequences of sins, he misses the mark. Who hurries with his feet. So folks, it's all about prayer and hitting the mark. And God helps us hit the mark with prayer. Okay? Help me not be foolish. Help me not miss my opportunities. Help me not to shrink back from any um, changes that are coming my way. Help me to grow. Amen. Number three, the foolishness of man undermines his way, running whatever he undertakes. The foolishness of man undermines his plans. Then his heart is resentful and rages against the Lord. For being a fool, he blames the Lord instead of himself. Wow, what translation is this, folks? That's the Amplified Bible. Ooh, it's good stuff, huh? Number four, wealth makes many friends, but a poor man is separated from his friend. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will not escape. Many will seek the favor of a generous and noble man, and everyone is a friend to him who gives gifts. All the brothers of a poor man hate him. How much more do his friends abandon him? He pursues them with words, but they are gone. He who gains wisdom and good sense loves preserves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good and prospers. Note, I'm Fernando, alcoholic. Um, there's a there's something to say about the soul right here. Okay, you ever looked in the mirror and the guy in the mirror cussed you back out and hated you? And that's that's when I wasn't I was my own I was disconnected from God. I was drinking, and I wasn't uh, being good to my soul. Or I wasn't giving my soul any literature. I wasn't working with others. So my own soul, if my soul had a had a, a gun 
it would turn on me. You ever hear a guy cleaning their gun and they shoot themselves? And you say, how can that possibly be? Well, they hate themselves, their own soul. There's another person inside of us, and I can prove it right here with this. From my experience, folks, you ever punch yourself out of nowhere? You're drinking and having a good time, and all of a sudden, your own hand pushes up and gives you an uppercut. That happened more two or three times. And I said, what's up with that? There's a person inside of us, and it is our soul. And look, at, it says right here, he who gains wisdom in good sense loves, preserves his own soul. And that, folks, through my experience, that statement is a true statement. My soul likes literature. My soul loves rewards. My soul likes to be treated with respect. That's my experience, folks. He who keeps understanding will find good and prosperous. What is understanding? It's standing under a principle, standing under a, a, some words. Standing under, let's say, for instance, the word love. Love believes, love forgives, love works, love is helpful, love is happy, love is joyful. He who keeps understanding will find good and prosper. And what's good? Good has 15 categories. Adventure, resources, health, enthusiasm, joy, laughter. And what's prosperity? Hawaii, free vacation, a free pickup truck, prosper, health, enthusiasm, friends, social. All right, folks, if you're still with me, I know you love your own soul. If you're still with me, it's because you're intelligent enough that the words I'm spreading out are intelligent words. And they're, and they're wholesome and they give life. They give life. It took, it took a person to lose a lot in life to bring you something like this. These are the true words that a father would give us, that our Heavenly Father would give us. This is his stuff. Not something I orchestrated. I'm just being a witness to it. Yep, that's right. Yep, that's true. Yep, that happened to me. That's what I experienced, folks. This is Proverbs 19, verse 8 in the Amplified. He who gains wisdom and good sense loves his own soul. Preserves. He who keeps understanding will find good and prosperous. Understanding is meditation on upon a statement or on a word. Breaking down a word and letting it seep into our understanding of that word. That's how easy it is, folks. Not rocket science. It's just not missing the mark. Stopping and understanding words. Understanding that God communicates us through words. So I like to ask you to be good. I like to ask your soul to be good. Understand the word good. Understand the word love. Oh, I know love. I know love. God is love. And where God is, there's no need. If you have a need, you're not understanding the word God, love. Wow, where'd that come from? 
Okay, let's move on to verse 9. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who brings lies will perish. Luxury is not fitting for a fool, much less for a slave to rule over princes. 11. Good sense and discretion makes a man slow to anger, and it is his honor and glory to overlook a transgression or an offense without seeking revenge and harboring resentment. There you go, folks. The hardest thing for a man to do. That's why all the wars are here in, in the world, because of this statement right here. It is an honor and glory to overlook a transgression or an offense without seeking revenge and harboring resentment. Are you harboring any resentment? Am I harboring any resentment? Am I asking God to clobber my enemies? Even though I learned so much from my enemies, they give me the rage to be a better person, to be, to be more forgiving, more enthusiastic, more loving with God. It is an honor and glory to overlook a transgression. See, that's God's reward there. That's the way God made this earth. If he says, if you overlook something that someone says a statement to you and you don't respond like a fool, just like that person, you automatically get honor and glory. This is God's world. This is his rules. This is what he done. He wants us to get along. This is the will of the Father. Good sense and discretion makes a man slow to anger. Number 12. The king's wrath terrifies like the roaring of a lion, but his favor is as refreshing and nourishment as dew on the grass. A fool, a foolish, ungodly son is destruction to his father, and the contentions of a quarrelsome wife are like a constant dripping of water and the ruin of the husband. A contentious and quarrelsome spouse are like a constant dripping of water. Houses and wealth are the inheritance from father, but a wise, understanding, and sensible wife is a gift and a blessing from the Lord. Wow. So many of us don't find that, you know. We don't find or they don't find us because we're in the bar or we're in the game or we're somewhere else in a in an engine of a car trying to put a better muffler on it. Houses and wealth are in the inheritance from fathers, but a wise, understanding, and sensible wife is a gift and a blessing. Man, to have a gift and a blessing, to have joy and laughter, that's a gift and a blessing. To have laughter and joy. Those are from the Lord, guys. Fifteen, laziness casts one into a deep sleep, unmindful of loss of opportunity. Laziness casts one into deep sleep. Up, up and at them, folks. And the idle person will suffer hunger. Up and at them. He who keeps and obeys the commandment of the Lord keeps and guards his own life. He who keeps and understands and 
and fixes himself and obeys the commandment of the Lord, keeps and guard his own life. That's what we're doing here, folks. We are keeping and guarding our life by lifting these words up to our brain and exercising them. We are in a gym, folks. But he who is careless of his ways and, and conduct will die. I mean, die. I mean, they're talking about hell, folks. 17, he who is gracious and lends a hand to the poor lends to the Lord. <clears throat> and the Lord will repay him for his good deed. You got to believe that, folks. You got to get excited about these words. You know, some of us have given so much money and we were out of control giving away money either to the poor, but usually for good causes. So much so that we neglected our own souls and the good they have come. But if I get excited, if we get excited about that, the Lord will repay him for his good deeds. And there's the key. There's, there's the claim. There's the, there's the receipt. I have a receipt here. This is my receipt. It's my actions. And the Lord will repay him for his good. Woohoo! Thank you, Lord. And this is the prayer I use. I need to, I need to accept the payment back. That's the problem. The Lord's ready to pay us back. But we're, I say, the repayment for it is not here yet, but it will come if I should have it, or we should have it. It will surely come. And we all agree that we shall have it. Amen. It's as simple as that. It's claiming it. All right, I'm talking too long. I've been giving myself a headache now. <laughs> 18. Discipline and teach your son while there is hope. And do not indulge your anger or resentment by imposing inappropriate punishment, nor desire his destruction. In other words, don't discipline your children with anger. You know, you discipline your children with fairness. You say, truth or consequences. Truth is, you got responsibilities. Consequences is because you did not do your responsibilities. And you got to let them know. You got to speak to them like a computer programming them and ask God to give you the love to discipline. That'll discipline with love. And hope will escape. If it wasn't for the AA 12-step meeting, hope would have not gotten back into me, an undisciplined, unruly child. That was me, 25 years old. I Hope was not there. Fate was not there. Believing was not there. It had dissipated with the alcohol and the brawling and the drinking and the 30 visits to uh, juvenile hall. Yes, folks, 30 visits in addition to camps and road camps and jail time. Discipline and teach your son while there is hope. Thank God for Alcoholic Anonymous. It put hope back into me that I could become a helpful person. And do not indulge your anger or resentment by imposing inappropriate punishment nor desire his destruction. I remember my mama losing it and trying to discipline me. And uh, she's out of control, but it's too late now. I'm already a, you know, 12, 11-year-old undisciplined child. The, the Lord... Father God had to discipline me out in the world. Alcohol did a good job. Beat the snot out of me. Paid, made me pay attention, folks. 19. 
A man of great anger will bear the penalty for his quick temper and lack of self-control. For if you rescue him and do not let him learn from the consequences of his actions, you will only have to rescue him over and over again. That's why Elanon was created, folks. God gave us Elanon for us, for people not to fix our own destruction, but for us not to be fixing other people's destruction. Okay? If we, we keep rescuing, we know that's why you say, hey, go out there and do some more drinking. Go do, out there and do some more experimenting. If you think, uh, don't worry, God, God will protect you. A man of great anger or great drinking will bear the penalty for his quick temper that the alcohol, the rage, the brawling, and lack of self-control will cause. If you make excuses for him and try to rescue him, buy him cars or buy the lady cars and program after program for him, do not let them learn from the consequences of their own actions. They're not paying their rent. You will only have to rescue them over and over again. Amen. And folks, you turning aside and leaving your kids play video games all day long and so forth, you're an accomplice to their destruction. You're an accomplice to, you know, cut the electricity, cut the phone, cut everything off, do what you have to do, burn the house down, destroy the... If the you know the kid is eighteen years old unless he's been bringing money and studying and and helping others and being polite then you're we're, we are being whips you know we are yep a lot of us are stuck there there's nothing you can do it the first, best thing you can do is start singing songs to God and thanking him you're in that situation so at least you can have the angels and God come down. And give you a chance to strengthen you to have wisdom. Now you have will to to learn something. You have a will to uh, correct this situation by praising him and thanking him for the nonsense that's going on. Number 20. Listen to counsel. Receive instruction and accept correction. You, that you weren't raised with with a two by four. Now, look, we're old and we can't listen to counsel. We can't receive instruction. We can't accept correction. All we have in our arsenal is criticize, complain. What is the three C's? Criticize, complain, contention. Condemning. Condemning, criticizing, complaining. And the other side of it is Receive counsel, receive correction, receive instruction. Instruction is a two-by-four for me, folks. Receive it willingly. Okay, God. If I say, okay, God, if I'm off in my thinking and my way of running life, give me your instruction and give it to me hard. Hit me over the head. You got to watch out. You got to have some guts to pray like this, folks. I will accept your correction. Or at least I am willing. If I am wrong, Lord, give me your counsel. Either give it to me sweetly where I can learn from it, or let me receive your instruction by a two-by-four, or help me to accept correction. You know, correction is like almost like acid in the that corrodes your, your brain, corrodes your 
your insights, correction. But as long as you have a good attitude, you can still function with a burnt. How many of us? I'm being, I'm functioning with correction. I thank God for all the hits, all the disappointments, all the disasters. And God is able to work with it because I thank God for it. He took the little that I had left, the little sense that I had left, and made it into a life that I can be happy, joyous, and free and help others. And that's what AA is all about, folks. We're happy, free, joyful, and we can help others and demonstrate how we came out of a destruction pattern. And then it says, that you may be wise in the time to come. Here we go again. Listen to counsel. Receive instruction and accept correction. That you may be wise in the time to come. Amen. So the final analysis, the fruit of counsel, the fruit of receiving instructions, the fruit of accepting correction is being a wise individual that we may have a word of knowledge to a, a young person. Many plans are in a man's mind, but it is the Lord's purpose for him that will stand and be carried out. Many plans are in my mind. Should I go here, there, there? But I have to wait for the Lord's purposes with pen and paper. And if he doesn't show me this day, I have to wait the next day and wait again and wait again and wait on the Lord. Sometimes it'll take eight days. Sometimes it'll take two weeks. Just keep on waiting for the Lord. So what are you doing? I'm waiting for the Lord for his instructions. So you're just trying to figure out what is God trying to tell me? Sometimes it takes eight hours. Sometimes it takes half hours. But the Lord will communicate with you and he'll tell you what are his purposes for your life. That will stand and be carried out. Amen. And, and then he gets excited and he helps you to finish his purpose. It could be a purpose for right now, a temporary purpose to go help somebody with a flat tire. And that has happened for me as soon as I started waiting for God. Okay, God, I'm ready now. I got full tank of gas. I'm all rested. I'm waiting here. I got the time. I'm dressed. I'm ready to go to work. What is your purpose for me for this day, God? And then you get a text at the end of the day. I've been waiting all day. And it says, they need a speaker in North Hollywood, hour and a half away from me, folks. 10.30 tonight for the young people's meeting. And I, within seconds, I said, yes, that's me. That's what I've been waiting for. I replied, I'm in it. I'll take care of it. I run over there, and I see a former police officer running, uh, a Mexican-American, running a AA meeting at 10.30 at night in North Hollywood. And most of the kids are in there are, you know, in their 20s with skateboards and so forth. And I'm the speaker. And what a beautiful time we had. We connected. We all became one. God was in the midst. And, and the sensibility of doing the right thing became palatable. We all were better people because of that. Now I'm sharing it with you. If you have joy in that, you get to participate. Isn't God good? Number 22, that which is desirable in a man is his loyalty and unfailing love. But it's better to be a poor man than a wealthy liar. 
Okay, what people desire in a man, what you desire on people is, is, is loyalty and unfailing love. That's what we desire in our spouse. That's what our spouse desires on us. It's a natural thing to desire. You know, I, I only think that only comes through us having a loyalty and unfailing love to God first. And I believe this is the fruit of that love. If I have a strong loyalty to my Father in heaven, which I do, I have a strong, unfailing love He has for me. And that won't quit, and I know that's for sure because I try to get it away, get that love out. That love of God will not leave us. It's there permanently. His unfailing love. So I have given the benefit of the doubt to my friends. And I, I enjoy their loyalty. Better is to be poor man than a wealthy liar. Number 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. The fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. And that happened to me, folks. I've been fearing, trying to fear. I've been fearing, trying to fear God. I've seen him 32,000 feet high. I've seen him 300 feet in the spirit and visions. I've seen him do incredible things. My fear of the Lord, my natural, my respect for the Lord leads, has led me to life. And God has took, taken me from surroundings where there were sirens and parties and all kinds of craziness and moved me to a, a town that is so sound and so quiet. And this is the reason he moved, because he loves me. He moved me over here. He told me over and over again, get over there. So that I may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. Isn't that a beautiful thing? The Lord has done that for me. 24, the lazy man buries his hand in the food dish, but will not even bring it to his mouth again. Wow. In other words, the guy is so lazy, he puts his hand in there to get the grain, and then he falls asleep right there. <laughs> that is unthinkable, unimaginable, huh? And you know how that lazy man can get out of that thing? By using his will and thanking God he's that lazy. And then God has an opening to start putting inspiration in there and strength and power curiosity to number 25 strike a scoffer for refusing to learn and the naive person be warned and become prudent wow strike a scoffer for refusing to learn I wonder how many times have you ever seen God do that to his kids he's always disciplining them for refusing to learn. So if you ever gotten hit or, or side punched, sucker punch, it probably came from God for refusing and being stubborn to learn. Maybe, maybe it came from the devil. I don't know. But we're the only ones. To me, it came from God because I was refusing to learn. I was refusing to go to school. I was refusing to, uh, to participate in helping society help itself in other words get a profession and the naive person be warned and okay here we go 
strike a scoffer for refusing to learn, and the naive person, in other words, the neutral person, will be warned and become prudent. Reprimanding one who has understanding and a teachable spirit, he will gain knowledge and insight. Reprimand one who has understanding and a teachable spirit, and he will gain knowledge and insight. A lot of us have didn't have not even understanding because foolishness was wrapped around our hearts. We couldn't get that foolishness out or the resentment or the hurt out. That's foolishness. And understanding couldn't go in there. And much less a teachable spirit. And much less knowledge and insight. So the only way it was doing is by surrounding yourself in an atmosphere that through osmosis, people have this fruit. They have the fruit of a teachable spirit. They have the fruit of knowledge and insight. They have the fruit of understanding. And it starts to seep into us. And I'm talking about a 12-step program, folks, where people surrender and God comes in. You surrender and God comes in. You, you. I humble myself in the meeting and God comes in. Then understanding comes in to, to entertain me. A teachable spirit, curiosity comes in to teach me. And then I will start to rack up knowledge and insight. So there you go, folks. You have a person that's been at it for 40 years. You're hearing my voice. And I came with a very foolish person into the program. And I wasn't raised properly. The 12-step program raised me and allowed me to pay my bills and and become a, a productive society of member to the best of the ability. Strike a scoffer for refusing to learn, folks. That's mercy and love and compassion and a father who cares. And if there's a little bit of hope, if there's a chance to turn the nay person, to turn you around. But it says that I don't know if the scoffer will learn. Strike a scoffer for refusing to learn. If a scoffer, if you're getting hit and punched a lot, it's just the fact that you you are refusing to learn. You're stuck in your stuck in your ways and then and then a nay person an outside person a person that's looking from the outside will be warned and become prudent shoot i want to be prudent i want to be warned and i was and i saw it number 26 he who assaults his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and disgrace 27, cease listening to, to my son. If you stop listening, my son, to instruction and discipline, you will stray away from the words of knowledge. Yes. Discipline, of course. Discipline and instructions came from our fathers with hatred. Let's forgive them and accept them. Okay, discipline, the word discipline came from the people that we, we don't like, or, you know, that just rub us the wrong way. Accept the word. Accept the word, you know, 
the word has value in its own self, and God is inside the word. So say, thank you, God, for the discipline. Thank you, God, for the discipline. I will listen, Lord. I will receive instructions, and I will be disciplined. Discipline me, Father. See, if you stop listening to words and just play football after football after football game, and you and you, you know the instructions and the discipline is telling you, go cut the grass, go read a book, go walk, exercise, you're sitting too much. That's ceasing to listen to the Spirit of God. And then you will continue to stray from the words of knowledge. And that's the 12-step program, folks. I see, I receive a lot of instruction, a lot of discipline in the 12-step program. And I humble myself to take it in. Some of it is unpalatable. I don't like it, you know. But I have to take it home and think about it, think about it, and try to get it into my system. If I stray away from these words of knowledge, it won't be long before the, the knowledge of the booze, the knowledge of, you know, the desire to rage and the desire to gamble will come in. You know, we see that all the time. People stop coming to meetings and they drink. And they get into worse situations than they were the first time they came. All right. Uh, a wicked and worthless witness mocks justice. And the mouth of the wicked spreads iniquity. There you go. If you've been mocking and, and saying unjust things about the way I've been talking or criticizing, condemning, and complaining, then it says right here, a wicked and worthless witness mocks justice. Sure, maybe I'm wrong in some of the things. I accept the fact. Maybe I'm long-winded in some of the things. But these words are not mine. These words are from, and it's just my experience. And sure, I'm a fragile uh, boss, if you will, a container that's thanking God for the, for the common sense that's working. But if I be wicked and worthless, that I'm, I'm a corrupt base myself, and I'm trying to mock other people because they can't hold water, and I can't hold water. That's a wicked person and worthless witness mocking justice. And the mouth of the wicked spreads iniquity, and he gets other people to start joining in. And the mouth of the wicked spreads iniquity. Wow. Judgments are prepared for scoffers. There you go, judgments. And a beating for the backs of thick-headed fools. Hallelujah. Let your will be done. Are you thick-headed? Let God do some beatings in the back of fools. Judgments are prepared for scoffers. Thank God that there is a justice system in the world, right? Thank you, God, for your justice. Thank you, God. I say, thank you, God, for your mercy. Because I've been on both sides. I like this side better. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. Let's go ahead and pray out with the Our Father, please. Thank you for being here with me in this hour. And if you're still listening, you are a special person. You are made out of gold and no one can offend you. You are a wonderful person. I love you. God bless you. And I thank you for coming and listening to this. And remember, with God, all things are possible. Matthew 16, 19, 26. As long as we thank him for the mess, 
God can make use of it. He can make use of it. Thank Him for our lives. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, folks. It's working. Amen. Wow, I got I got three minutes. I have to start up my Zoom class and see if I can talk to my sponsees. Not see. I know we will. We will read the AA Big Book and rehearse what I've been preaching about. Give them heaven, folks. Get out there and start a meeting in the corner. Just go over there with your big book or your Bible and say, Bible study or put a sign that says AA meeting going on now and ask God to bring you someone that's hurting. Okay? I'll do the same and I'll report to you in the next few days. Bye. Thank you for attending Alcoholic Anonymous. Fernando. I'm not official. This is not official Alcoholic Anonymous. I'm a member of Alcoholic Anonymous. I'm just the product of a person that that went to AA, sent by the courts, and I paid attention to the laughter. It worked for me. I stopped drinking eventually. Fernando Alcoholic, let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may help each other to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting to our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. <clears throat> Does not wish to engage any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and to help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. That's what this podcast is all, all about. It's an ele- electronic meeting. I pray that you get inspired, get a dream, and you stop drinking. I did. And this is something that that is timely. I don't think you landed in this meeting by accident. You know, you ask for help. Here it is. Not on your terms. Enough is enough. We hope to wake you up with our testimonies, our stories, and our readings that life is not over yet. When I was 25 years old and sent to AA by the courts, I thought my life was over with. All my dreams, everything. I finally rested in AA and I was kind of like, huh, the storm is over. The impending doom, what I always feared came to pass. Now I was in the uh, in the crazy ward. What I thought, all the worst of the worst. And yet, 
my higher power was there with open arms waiting for me, made me a new person. Thank you so much for listening to me. Let's go ahead and uh, continue. Like I said, we did say the serenity prayer. Let's go ahead and move on real quick, like, and we're going to read a story from October 2020, Grapevine, and it's called Safe Landing. It's for newcomers. An old-timer at my home group used to say in a raspy smoker's voice, if you're on a pink cloud, you're going to need a pink parachute. Eventually, I came to realize it was his way of saying, life is going to happen and the steps are that parachute. He was right. One morning, only a month into my sobriety, I woke up to a phone call from my dad informing me that our oldest family dog, Daisy, had passed away. She was old and her death was expected, so I wasn't immediately upset when he told me. Maybe I was still in shock. I showed up for my family and my father and I took Daisy's body to the crematorium and did what had to be done. It was early in the morning and I knew my home group would meet at noon so I would be all right. But things got worse. Just two hours before noon, I got another phone call from a friend who told me that my ex-girlfriend had passed away. I lost it. My mind started racing. Yes, she was a former girlfriend and she had her own addiction issues, but she had continued to support me in my early recovery. Her last text to me was, work your program and you will stop worrying. I will always remember that. Her text came, work your program and you will stop worrying. After I got off the phone, I went to visit a friend who is also now in the AA rooms. I started to tell her the news and could barely get the words out before I was engulfed in tears. I was losing it. And the only solution I knew at that point to make those feelings go away could be found in a bottle. As I was walking out the front door of my best friend's home, she asked me where I was going. I'm going to the only place I know where I will not do something stupid, I answered. I went straight to my home group at 10.30 to wait for the noon meeting. It happened that the old timer was sitting there on the porch of our AA meeting place. I will call him Skip. I told Skip what had happened. I said my morning was about as great as a bad country song. All I wanted to do was to make these feelings go away with a bottle of whiskey. Skip then gave me some of the best advice I have ever gotten in AA. He told me to get on my knees and thank God. He must have seen the shock on my face. Thank God for the time you got with the dog and the girlfriend because it was not guaranteed, he said. His advice didn't make sense to me at that moment. I wanted to be angry and not feel my feelings, but I did what he said. I should mention that at that time, I was involved in step three work with my sponsor just a few days earlier. I had made the decision and prayed for the first time in a long time. I had a solution, but I also felt I had no mental defense right then against the first drink. But it turns out I had done the next right thing. By going early to my home group where an alcoholic with experience was waiting to reach out his hand to, and help me, and, ski, and speaking with Skip, 
I had reaffirmed that AA is a spiritual solution for someone suffering from a spiritual malady. I don't believe in coincidence anymore. I believe that as long as I do the next right thing, my higher power will always be there showing me the way when I really need help. Like the things that just happened with me, going to a place where I wouldn't drink, the old timer who was waiting on the porch, and the words in my ex-girlfriend's text. Here I am now, a little over two years sober, working the steps. I want to carry the message, and that message is this. There's absolutely no good reason to take a drink, no matter what life throws at us to knock us off our pink cloud. We will see people not making it in sobriety, and we will even attend funerals the longer we continue to do this thing. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Every time I think about my ex-girlfriend, I receive a reminder of what will happen if I let up on this wonderful spiritual program of action and forget to strap on my parachute. Jeremy S. from Baltimore, MD. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you. Beautiful story. And that, folks, reaffirms what I'm always saying, Fernando Alcoholic, to thank God for my DUIs. Thank God for the the sloppiness of my life. Thank God for all the stupid ass things I've done in life. I thank you, God, for all those. Only God can heal my heart, heal the situation, and make it better. And we learn a lesson from it. We, be, we become better at reaching out for others. And page 124 of the AA Big Book says that our darkest past will alleviate the hurts of the new families coming in, and we will be able to help them. Amen. Okay, uh, one more story from Get In You. Quebec. Mother's Little Helper. I'm a mother of two boys, ages six and four. I am also an alcoholic, sober just a little more than one year. Neither of these things are easy on their own, but combined, well, let's just say I feel as though I'm tested to the max every single day. At 37, I can say life feels better than ever now that, that I'm sober, though that's not to say it isn't also incredibly challenging, frustrating, and exhausting. But now that I don't drink, I actually feel and acknowledge all of it. Sobriety in and out of itself is a challenge and a journey, one that's different from each of us. But my journey includes the stress of raising two energetic children. Parenting is a mix of highs and lows. It's full of more worry, pride, and stress than I ever knew was possible. In sobriety, I feel every ounce of that anger when one child isn't doing as he's told. I feel every bit of the incredible exhaustion after a long, stressful day as I prepare for what will probably be a sleepless night. I feel it all. I used to tell myself that because I do such hard work as a mom, I deserve those glasses of wine at the end of the day. I learned them. It was mommy time. I earned them. Our society constantly sends the same message to mothers about alcohol. Messages such as, you deserve a night out and wine o'clock. Wine o'clock. Wine a little. You'll feel better. 
or they say, you're worth it. We see alcohol consumption in excess regularly on countless reality shows like Real Housewives, a show about mothers and wives, targeted at an audience of mothers and wives. We hear wine called Mommy's Juice or Mommy's Little Helper. And the other day, I even saw coasters in store that read Mommy's Wine Goes Here. The messaging is strong. We begin to feel being a mother and drinking go hand in hand until it doesn't. Because what happens when you're hungover at 5.30 a.m., but your kids are up for the day? Being a mom never stops, even though the party might. Mothering is the hardest and most important job I will ever do. And alcohol began to overtake that job. When I stopped drinking, I did it for me, first and foremost. But the effects directly benefited my family. I still have difficult parenting moments. And I still want to cry most days about things that happen. But now I don't immediately turn to alcohol for help. I face my feelings and emotions and use various techniques to handle crisis, stress, and exhaustion. And while they may not recognize it now, my children will grow up without seeing their mom drinking to celebrate, relieve stress, relax, and insert various other reasons here. Being able to present myself as a sober mom to them is the best gift I could even give them. The other night, my four-year-old lectured me on drinking pop. He said it wasn't good for me. I looked at him with happy tears in my eyes, silently thanking God for his lecture on pop, on soda. Gratefully, I could unashamedly tell him that it was A-okay. Becca A. from Gatineau, Quebec. Thank you very much for writing that story. Amen. Let's go ahead and read today's daily reflections for 18th of September. Thank you so much for coming in here today. I'm a miracle. Wait, no. Love back to recovery. Our whole treasure philosophy of self-sufficiency had to be cast aside. This had not been done with old-fashioned willpower. It was instead a matter of developing the willingness to accept these new facts of living. We neither ran nor fought, but accepted we did, and then we were free. Best of the Grapevine, Volume 1, page 198. I can be free of my own enslaving self. After a while, I recognize and believe in the good within myself. I see that I've been loved back to recovery by my higher power, who envelops me. My higher power becomes that source of love and strength that is performing a continuing miracle in me. I am sober and I am grateful. Amen. And now we're going to go walk over and knock on the door on King Solomon's for his daily uh, message to us. See, words of wisdom for the day that we can put something in our hopper, something to think about all day long, something that that I'm impressed with and I can't shake it off. And that's uh, words of wisdom. So let's go ahead and say the third step prayer before we start. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those that would help of thy power, of thy love, 
of thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. Let me walk to his door. Solomon, you up? Can you come out here, please, and give us some words of advice, some wisdom? Back up, everyone. Back up. Give him room. He's going to come out. Here he comes. He's bringing his trusty old leather-bound book. And he begins with Proverbs 18. Wisdom gives life, Solomon says. Number one, an unfriendly person isolates himself and seems to care only about his own issues, for his contempt of sound judgment makes him a recluse. 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 Huh. A little bit went over my head a little bit. Let me do this. Let me go ahead and go back to the Translation I had. New Living Translation. Unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. Two, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Three, doing wrong leads to disgrace and scandalous behavior brings contempt. Four, Wise words are like deep waters. Wisdom flows from the wise like a bubbling brook. It is not right to acquit the guilty or deny justice to the innocent. Six, fools' words get them in constant quarrels. They are asking for a beating. Seven, the mouthful fools are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. Eight, Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. Nine, a lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. Ten, the name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. Eleven, the rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. Haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. 13. Spot off before listening to the facts. It is both shameful and foolish. 14. The human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit? 15. Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. 16. Giving a gift can open doors. It gives access to important people. 17. The first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. 18. Flipping a coin can end arguments. It settles disputes between powerful opponents. 19. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life, 
Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. The poor plead for mercy, the rich answer with insults. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Wow. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and finish our day for today, this reading. Let's go ahead and pray out with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back. I'd like to say this one message to, to you new people. Don't drink. When I was new and I was driving down the highway, very lonely, Highway 99, going up north, I wanted a drink. I was brand new and I, I saw this big billboard that came out of nowhere. I was crying out to God and I saw that billboard saying, don't drink. Wow, where did that come from? And that's the way it's been ever since. There's a higher power, a wisdom that created the earth that does not want us to tear ourselves up by drinking. There's more to life. There's a substitute, the friendships, the laughter, the joy, the literature, all substance that a human being needs for a wonderful life. The alcohol, it, that was just a means of trying to find God. We found God in the rooms and the stories of other members of Alcoholic Anonymous. Have a great day, family. Give them heaven. Fernando, alcoholic.